This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, October 4th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Paul Weiser steps in as Mountain Village Town Manager. G is for Government Previews Telluride Town Council. This is Sparta in and a mountain weather forecast. Mountain Village Town Attorney Paul Weiser is stepping in to serve as interim town manager following the resignation of Kim Montgomery. Kim has obviously been a valued member of the Mountain Village community for quite some time, even prior to her role with the town, and then uh, started out, um, you know, not in the town manager role, but worked her way up as from the town clerk uh, to the town manager eventually, and has been in that role for 17 years. Uh, and so she's contributed an incredible amount to the community and the way the town looks today. That's wiser. In a news release, Montgomery says she's leaving the position to, quote, focus on other endeavors. In the new position, Weiser says he will be taking on full-time town manager duties while still serving as part-time town attorney. And the town will contract with his former law firm, Garfield and Hecht, for special projects. Up until last week, uh, I was a partner at Garfield and Hecht, and so we were contract attorneys for the town. Uh, and I, the plan was always for me to come in-house, and um, so that's happened now, and I'm really excited that that's the case. And it allows me um, to just focus on the town and solely the town, which um, up until now, uh, I've had a bunch of other clients that I've had to worry about. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I can just make Mountain Village my um, top and only priority. While Weiser says he'll need to get caught up on the day-to-day operations of the job, he feels his work as town attorney sets him up for the requirements of town manager. I'm really fortunate in that uh, council and staff have... um, felt a level of trust with me that they include me on doing more than just drafting contracts. And so for quite some time, I've been involved in the policymaking process and some of the day-to-day um, decision-making that goes on in the town. And so I felt really lucky for my town attorney position to be able to do that. Um, and so it kind of makes the transition into being the town manager uh, on an interim basis a little bit easier because I'm basically familiar with the ebbs and flows of what is going on in the town and kind of the big decisions that are in front of us and the strategic choices that need to be made. Wiser, for the time being, is serving on an interim basis. However, he says he's treating it as if he's there for the long haul. Because otherwise, I don't think a whole lot's going to get done because we do have so many long-term issues um, and big issues that need to be addressed relatively soon. Um, I don't think it does the community any good to have someone just you know signing the checks and waiting for something uh, to happen. So, um, you know, again, in, in my town attorney role, I I think I would be doing a lot of these things anyway. When it comes to those top of the list items coming down the pike for Mountain Village, Wiser points to the gondola, wastewater treatment plant, and of course, housing and how that plays into the regional economy and culture. Right now, I would say that the the Telluride region as a whole, the market is failing because businesses can't stay open because they can't find uh, employees. And uh, obviously, the res- full-time residents aren't able to access those services when they want. I mean, there's plenty of examples of restaurants that are now only open three days a week. And that's not obviously good for the business owners, but it's not sustainable for a community. Uh, communities need those businesses to be open in order to sustain ourselves, both from a materials perspective, but also uh, just the intangible seeing your neighbor every day and being able to interact and form those bonds that really are important to keeping uh, the region 
as unique as it is. For Mountain Village's part, Wiser notes the Village Court apartment expansion is set for next year with an additional 42 units and a development scheduled for the Meadows, which he hopes will add 100-plus units. As for if Wiser plans to put his name in the ring for the permanent town manager position, that is a resounding yes. Now, if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have kind of looked at you with a blank stare because it wouldn't have occurred to me that that would have been interest to me. But uh, I, I am very um, passionate about this community and um, have had the opportunity to, as I said, be involved in some of the larger um, policymaking um, decisions within the town, and I really enjoyed all that. And so I would really um, appreciate the opportunity to pursue that role. Wiser is currently serving in an interim capacity for town manager. Montgomery's final day working for the town of Mountain Village will be October 15th. The town of Mountain Village is in the hiring process. However, the town has not announced a timeline for when a permanent town manager will be in place. Telluride's town council meeting on Tuesday is going to be money, 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 with a side of housing and alcohol. In this installment of G is for Government, a special guest shares what to expect. Have a listen. Thank you for joining for an installment of G is for Government, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself today. This is D for Designated Hitter since G was unavailable today. This is Mary Delaney Young. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> so we have a Telluride Town Council meeting on Tuesday. They sneak up on us, well, maybe more or less every three weeks. And you're going to be starting off the morning with a work session that is very important and kind of gets in the weeds of local government. Can you share what that one's going to be talking about? All morning, we will be talking about budget-related issues. Every autumn, we go into our budget process. It takes a while. It has many steps. Starting with goals and objectives for the upcoming year, we're going to do our best to fine-tune that and tie it up in a bow tomorrow. And then we'll get into the general fund, the capital fund, and our enterprise funds. And going through the budget process is probably the most important Thing that the town council in its entirety does any given year. And I know that you break it up. You you kind of touched on um, some of the things that you're going to be talking about, but even within the general fund, capital fund, it breaks it out into different areas that specifics that the budget is going to be looking at. Are there any things that you think, oh, that is especially important that our listeners or the members of the community should be paying attention to? I think that there's some nuances to what we do that may not come across, generally speaking, unless you tune into one of our budget meetings. One of those things that doesn't get talked about a lot, but that we have always been quite proud of is, as Dr. Brady used to say, we run things lean and mean. Our staffing and labor costs are substantially less than the state average or the national average which I think is a testament to really sound financial planning on behalf of local government. Yeah. Um, and then you'll be taking a break for lunch, a well-deserved <laughs> break for lunch by the end of that work session, and then coming back in the afternoon with a couple 
there's maybe smaller um, topics that won't, in theory, take as long, um, but are potentially of interest to our listeners. What are those ones going to be looking at? We do have an item that is an ordinance, second reading of an ordinance, that would be increasing the mitigation rate for development on single-family duplex and multifamily building projects from 60% to 90%. We have a revocable encroachment permit. We get those from time to time. They're generally more of a housekeeping item, and our staff is always phenomenal about giving us good recommendations on how to proceed with that. We will have additional work sessions in the afternoon. If we can't get through all of the budget stuff in the morning, we'll give ourselves some time in the afternoon. And another one that I think a lot of people are ready to hear about, all of the outdoor dining and all of the open liquor consumption that has been occurring will be addressed during a work session as well. The current standard expires at the end of October, and we wanted to have a work session Tuesday so that we can then address on October 26th, our next meeting, what that will look like going into the winter. And then finally, this is part of the manager's report, so we'll learn more about it at this time, but there's going to be a small discussion on um, an innovative housing idea. What's that one? We gave direction to staff several months ago, I guess. Time is, of course, so weird right now and has been for a while. We gave direction to them to consider town-owned land for places to park vans or RVs, vehicles of some type that are completely self-contained for winter housing solutions for people who may already be or willing to live in their sleep-ready vehicle. And staff is ready to come back to us with some more of the details after the direction we gave them. Perfect. Well, Mayor Delaney Young, thank you for being here as the designated hitter for G is for Government. How was your How was your time um, in this position? It was great. <laughs> Perfect. And we will see all y'all on Zoom uh, on Tuesday for Telluride Town Council. Thank you, Julia. Thanks, Kodo. The festivals are over, leaf peeping will soon come to a close, but summer events aren't quite finished. The 24-hour Spartan Ultra World Championship is coming to Mountain Village. What that is is a 24-hour event where athletes will do a loop um, of a course uh, for 24 hours. And whoever competes completes the most amount of laps uh, will win. That's Mike Morris, VP of Production for Spartan Races. Spartan Race is an endurance race company with races around the world. The 24-hour Ultra World Championships have taken place in Iceland and Sweden. Now it's coming to the U.S. for the first time. Morris says it started with a great partnership with the town of Mountain Village. Obviously, as everyone knows, Telluride is known for the beautiful scenery and amazing terrain. So the combination of all those things makes this a no-brainer for us to, to bring this event to Telluride. But the race isn't just running for 24 hours up and down 4,000 feet per loop of the Telluride ski slopes. Spartan races at a core are obstacle course races, and those obstacles can be at everything from 
crawling under barbed wire, they're doing a monkey bar type obstacles, climbing over walls, different variations, carrying heavy things like sandbags and buckets filled with rocks. And there's no prize for just trying your hardest. If you fail an obstacle, there's a punishment. We take pride on being a sport. And so the, the, the current punishment is burpees. You do 30 burpees if you fail an obstacle. We also, some obstacles have penalty laps where you run a 100-meter run out and back or carry something if you fail an obstacle. So uh, at a core, that's what we're bringing to this event with the World Championships and the Ultra World Championships. It's 24 hours of competitive racing around the mountain. If you want to win, you have to keep moving. So every lap that is uh, approximately six miles, we'll have 20 obstacles. And so we expect our top athletes to do upwards of close to, call it 80 miles. Uh, and that's what we've seen in previous previous events, which is pretty world-class. So we're talking about um, folks that were you know, borderline Olympic athletes, um, if not Olympic athletes, uh, competing. And so you know, things we've seen in the past, people running 80 miles in the snow up and down a mountain in Sweden, completing you know, the same thing, 15 to 20 obstacles per lap, pretty impressive. In addition to the 24-hour ultra, Spartan will also be hosting a beast half marathon with 31 obstacles for racers to complete. As for why anyone would want to push themselves to the limit, Morris says it's the same ethos that drives people to climb Everest or run marathons. There's discovery in suffering. There's a lot of uh, self-exploration and learning that comes through these type of extreme endurance challenges. And for it's funny, it's all relative. For some people, a 5K can be the most daunting thing in the world. And for some folks that spend an entire weekend running and cycling, running for 24 hours, sure, it's tough, but it's not necessarily you know, as daunting as, as it, it might seem for the rest of us. So for a lot, of, a lot of people, pain and suffering is relative in the endurance space. It all depends on where, where your current thresholds are at. Morris says they anticipate several thousand people will show up for the Beast Half Marathon with approximately 400 for the Ultra. While racers will be in the zone, Morris adds the races are also community events and spectators are welcome. Yeah, we, we welcome people to come out and check it out, especially at odd hours in the night. We'll have a transition area, which will be, which will be going on. Um, that's right underneath the bridge that goes from the, there's a bunny slope of the magic carpet that goes underneath this bridge underneath Mountain Village up to the, the Village Green, where the stage, the Summer Concert Series has been, that, that kind of bunny slope right there is where the transition area is. And then so every lap, people will be transitioning through that. Spectators are also welcome on the mountain where allowed. The Spartan Ultra World Championship will take place on the Telluride Ski Resort beginning on Sunday, October 10th and wrapping up on Monday, October 11th. The race begins at 10 a.m. on Sunday. The Beast Half Marathon will take place on Saturday, October 9th. It's been a long summer, but if you ask Renee Podonovich, there's something that can help bring us out of the daily constant grind and into a more personal knowing of ourselves. Poetry. Podonovich is this month's featured poet for the Talking Gourds Poetry Club, Bardic Trails Poetry Night. A licensed professional counselor, poet, and author, Podonovich believes, quote, poetry is a language that encourages us to transcend our constricted sense of self and connect to our essential nature within. She is the 2019 Cantor Award winner from the Telluride Literary Festival with three books of poems, including her 2021 book, Illustrious for Brief Moments. 
Talking Gourds Poetry is hosting this month's club in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library between the Covers Bookstore, the Telluride Institute, and the Telluride Arts District. At the event, Podonovich will read some of her work with time for questions about her influences and inspirations and time for participants to share their own poetry. The event will take place on Tuesday, October 5th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. October means scary movies, changing colors, crisp air, and autumnal festivals. This weekend, we'll see two events dedicated to the changing of seasons. Nukla's fifth annual Harvest Festival will be a celebration of all things apples. Fun for the whole family, there will be old-fashioned apple pressing, food vendors, apple pie, baked goods, hard cider tastings, a cooking demonstration, and face painting and featuring music from Durango's $6 string band. Heading northeast to Montrose, there will be the 2021 Montrose Oktoberfest with music from Iron Horse, Zolafet, and Cousin Curtis. There will be a costume contest, stein hoisting, circus performers, and more. The Nuclear Harvest Festival will take place this Saturday, October 9th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Nuclear Town Park. Make it a doubleheader with the Montrose Oktoberfest taking place Saturday, October 9th from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Sarah's Park. Governor Jared Polis has ended an executive order that was helping some Coloradans avoid being evicted while they were waiting to get help with their rent during the pandemic. Polis did not offer specific reason for why he was ending the extra protection for renters, which gave them a month to avoid evictions if they applied for financial aid from the state. He wrote that thanks to the efforts of Coloradans, quote, the moment for extraordinary executive action has passed. But in the same order, Polis is making other changes so that state employees who refuse the coronavirus vaccine can be fired or disciplined more quickly. Meanwhile, a state law that went into effect Friday gives renters some new eviction protections that will last beyond the pandemic. It will specifically delay eviction court proceedings and force landlords to wait longer before charging late fees for rent. Colorado Republicans spent the last legislative session trying to strip Governor Jared Polis of the broad emergency power he's used to lead the state through the COVID-19 pandemic. But with Democrats in control, the effort didn't gain traction. Now conservatives are hoping voters will approve a plan to make the executive branch a little less powerful. KOTO's Scott Franz has more on Amendment 78, one of the three statewide questions on the November ballot. Last spring, with a stroke of a pen and a late-night email, Governor Jared Polis announced his plan to spend a billion dollars of coronavirus relief funding on public schools. Republicans were enraged, as were some Democrats, who felt they should have a say in things. Backers of Amendment 78 still haven't gotten over it. Just having that ability to spend that much money, a billion dollars, uh, without that normal process, I think we give anybody pause. Michael Fields is a conservative activist and author of the ballot measure. And think about, you know, you might agree with this governor. What do you think about the next governor having that power? Governors can legally spend emergency money like COVID relief without any input from state lawmakers, who typically only meet for four months out of the year. They are called custodial funds. Amendment 78 would change the state constitution 
to require lawmakers to sign off on how every penny is spent. So that means there's a public hearing. There are multiple legislators from around the state being involved in that process. You do not want these funds tied up in partisan bickering at the state legislature. But Scott Wasserman thinks it would lead to bad spending decisions. He leads a liberal-leaning financial research group in Denver. Ultimately, what it'll do is, is reduce people's confidence in, in the state getting business done. Wasserman also filed a campaign finance complaint against a group that donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to support the measure saying it should reveal its donors. It is ironic that an organization that does not want to be transparent is talking about the need for transparency. Nonpartisan researchers at the Capitol do not know how much custodial funds would be impacted. In addition to emergency funds, passage of Amendment 78 would also give state lawmakers the final word on spending for legal settlements, transportation funds, and even gifts to colleges and universities. Can you imagine how much longer and more technical the process will be if they now have to allocate and appropriate every single custodial dollar. And that's a concern for some in a state where wildfires, road-crushing mudslides, and other emergencies pop up when the legislature is out of session. Financial analysts estimate they would have to spend an extra $1 million annually for lawmakers to take on the new responsibilities. Fields thinks it could be done without the gridlock Wasserman fears. They can give power back to the governor, for example, and say, look, this amount of money, if it comes in for an emergency, you can go and spend that, or they can come back for a, for a special session. Lawmakers passed a bipartisan law last year requiring governors to give them regular updates on how emergency dollars are being spent. But some Republicans, including Representative Hugh McKean of Loveland, want to go further. He led the efforts to scale back Governor Polis's emergency powers. There is a necessity to bring the legislature in to do its job, which is to craft the laws and rules for the state. McKean says Amendment 78 would also end what he calls slush funds that get spent without any public input. As an example, he points to the state health department spending a $68 million legal settlement from automaker Volkswagen for its role in an emissions scandal. And in the end, some of that money went to pay for car chargers in places like the Target parking lot right here in Loveland. Um, there haven't been any cars charging at the Target car charging station <laughs> since it was built. And so a lot of people are asking, well, hold on, who made the decision to spend those dollars in that way? And of course, the legislature didn't. There was no organized opposition to Amendment 78 when the state voter guide was mailed out. But legislative analysts have heard concerns from the governor's office and the attorney general. Months before conservatives gathered more than 100,000 signatures to get it on the ballot, Governor Polis was already dismissing attempts to rein in his emergency powers. It's a good, thoughtful discussion in a democracy. I mean, if you're going to go that route, you need to have a full-time legislature. There's no question. Our, our legislature is a, a part-time legislature. Many folks don't know that. They have other jobs. Because it would make changes to the Constitution, the amendment to give lawmakers more control over spending would have to pass with at least 55% of voters supporting it. I'm Scott Franz. Scott Wasserman and other Amendment 78 opponents have filed a lawsuit aiming to remove the question from the November ballot. They say it should not have qualified because initiatives in odd-year elections must deal with a Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR. A hearing is scheduled for this Wednesday in a Denver district court. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 35 degrees. Tuesday should be mostly sunny with scattered showers and a high in the mid-60s. Tuesday night, showers and thunderstorms are likely with a low around 40 degrees. Wednesday, expect partly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night with a high in the mid-50s and a low around 40. This has been the news for Monday, October 4th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Attention parents with young children. Would you like to help your child learn skills like problem solving, how to make a friend, and how to identify emotions? Bright Futures is partnering with Wilkinson Public Library and Telluride R1 School District to bring you a free in-person parenting workshop all about the pyramid model. Hi, this is Madeline with Bright Futures. The Pyramid Model Parenting Workshop will take place on Wednesday, October 6th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. at Wilkinson Public Library. Food and child care will be provided. No registration is necessary and simultaneous Spanish translation will be available. For questions, please email me, madeline at brightfuturesforchildren.org. We look forward to seeing you at the library. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.